absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan. I got my good buddy, Scott, hanging out in where else but... You Scott, know, you hanging out in the Bay Area, or are you still in the New York Podcast Studio? Uh, I am still in the New York Podcast Studio because I, I, I don't really think that traveling is the best idea right now. You know, I don't really want to, you know, go straight through the middle of the country. Um, so, yeah, here I am, sitting in New York. Uh, I'm just glad I have electricity after the, the storm that ran through here, but, you know, it's all good. The dead said it best, Scott. What a long, strange trip it's been. The last few days has been insane for you and I. We planned on recording yesterday. Well, that got knocked out because my power went out. Then not only did my power go out, but Isais decided to dump a little bit of herself in my basement, which is where the podcast studio is, amongst other things. Then we were ready to go, and you got knocked out with power. It traveled north, knocked you out, and uh, finally... Day late, dollar short, but we're here. We're recording episode 115, PGA Championship. We're on the cusp of it. It is tomorrow. Guys are giving their press conferences. Tiger's out now playing a practice round. It's about 55 degrees there. Does it feel like major championship season to you yet, Scott? Uh, does it feel like major championship season? Uh, no. Um, however, uh, you know, it is Glory's last shot. Or Glory's first shot. And probably only. Uh, so, you know, it's all good. Let's, uh, hey, you know what? Once they're out there, ha- who's going to even notice? Yeah. Um, the only thing I think, you know, the, one of the things that makes the major championship so special is the fact that you have so many spectators. There's so much hype to it and everything. And everything's just so subdued now. I, I just, I hope this brings uh, an air of excitement to people that are going through all this right now, including us. And quite honestly, I'm not going to lie to people. If we were not recording this podcast today and so hyped about the PGA, I'm not sure it would even register on my radar with as big as it is. And here's another thought on that, Scott. I feel like this PGA needs a phenomenal weekend leaderboard to make it seem like a major. Does that make sense to you? Yes, the worst thing that could happen would be what happened last year where uh, Brooks Kepka went out and won the tournament on Thursday. You know, uh, al- although DJ had had the little run on Sunday um, and that that really did bring a lot of excitement to it. Um, but I, I think, you know, having it be just a, a complete runaway would be the worst thing that could happen. Yeah, it was close last year, but it was never close. I, I think my um, doomsday idea would be, you know, Matt Wallace or uh, Brennan Todd or Hideki up by the lead and then no one else relevant. You know, you have like a minor star that's at the top and then you got some, you know, some randoms and Roars and Tiger and JT and Jordan are all, you know, 10 12 strokes back or they miss a cut or whatnot. But we'll get into all that. I think one of the things we got to let people know first, Scott, is we're pairing up with our sponsor, Eagles and Arrows Golf, uh, to bring you a live on-air 
contest. The contest is very simple. I put it on the Instagram story. A lot of people replied and read it. All you got to do is this. Listen to Scott and I during this episode. When the episode ends, you count up how many times we say straight down the middle. Okay? That's the tagline to Eagles and Arrows Golf. And I'm telling you what, have you seen Grant play? He hits it straight down the middle a ton. So Scott and I say straight down the middle. You copy down how many times we say that. DM us at Leave the Pin at the end of this episode. And if you get correctly, you're going to get a prize. Now, for this contest that's going to run on the podcast, Grant has graciously donated a ton of items. But if you guess it correctly, you're going to end up getting one item, okay? Next week on the Instagram account, he's going to give you an entire prize pack of Eagles and Arrows gear, which is phenomenal stuff. So right now, episode 115, when this ends, listen to it, DM us, and we're going to give you a week, okay? We're going to give you a week to enter and answer us on at Leave the Pin, our Instagram account. Let us know how many times we say straight down the middle because, look, it's a podcast. We get it. A ton of you are going to listen as soon as we drop it. Then a bunch of you are going to listen to work tomorrow morning. Then there's going to be people that listen when they get home. So people listen to it all over the place. But we're going to give you a week. So that puts it at August 12th. Wednesday, August 12th is when that contest is going to end. And then the next contest will start Thursday, August 13th. That'll be on the Instagram account. Um, Scott, when you hit the ball, are you hitting it straight down the middle? Uh, no, I was actually just about to say, I, I really envy people who can hit the ball straight down the middle on command. Um, you know, I, I, I've played a little bit of a fade all my life. Uh, it's most of the time it's very controllable. Uh, but every now and again, that fade goes straight. And I kind of wish instead of it being, you know, off to the left, because that's the, the direction that I aim, that it had just gone straight down the middle instead. No, I understand. I understand that. Um, somebody who has been hitting it straight down the middle as of late, our boy Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, people say to me all the time, not a lie, when I'm out playing golf and they find out that he's one of my favorite players uh, through the Instagram account and whatever else, people say, Dan, how can this lunatic be one of your favorite golfers? And I have to let them know that I embrace the sheer lunacy that is Bryson. And I will go on record as saying that I firmly believe, Scott, that I feel like he is in on the joke. Him and, and, and three or four of his friends, maybe his manager, his caddy, I just think every week they say something to see how far they can get away with. How much can they get away with? Bryson has just stated now that he wants to live and believes he can live to between 130 and 140 years old. I, I saw that. Um, here, here's the thing. Uh, what's going to get him more, more clicks, more follows, more mentions, more retweets? It's not going to be hitting the ball long and straight down the middle. It's going to be when he says something crazy. And like it or not, this is a business. So, yeah, he can play great, but in the end... You want to get noticed, that's how it happens, and that's how more money comes in. So, you know, good on them if that's their marketing plan. I, I, I have a lot of respect for it. I, I truly hope that at the PGA this week at Harding Park, he literally just bombs the ball all over the place. Straight down the and middle? 
you're making this very difficult on me, Scott, because just so you know, I am actually recording how many times we say straight down the middle. So I don't have to go back and listen and then, you know, spend an hour and a half or whatever it's going to be and checking off how many times we say straight down the middle uh, mm. for people. So I am keeping tally as as we're going. Gotcha. Um, yeah. But like I was saying, I would love if Bryson wins this week. I mean, the, I really feel like if at any point in time in his career, if he's ready, it's now. He won two weeks ago now, three weeks ago, something like that. Um, he, he's, he's, he's on this role. He's ready to go. I feel like he's coming in to his own skin now in terms of dealing with the media and dealing with other players on tour. But there's always that aspect of his mental game that I feel like he's not in control of. Case in point. Last week, Bryson had a run-in with ants. Now, they weren't fire ants, Scott. And I'm going to tell you a quick little story. I was out in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, playing golf uh, a few years ago. And I played with this uh, this local guy. His name was Blue. Uh, very Texan, to say the least. Cowboy hat and all. It was an amazing experience. We'd pull up to this one tee box, and there are these mounds. And he says, hey, he says, do you know what these are? And I said, these are your, your fire ant mounds, aren't they? He says, they are. He says, so just steer clear of them. He said, even vibrations will bring them out. So we got like two or three holes, and I kind of got um, ballsy, if you will, and took my club and just kind of brushed a little bit of the top of the mound away. And Scott, I am telling you, these things poured out of there like someone pouring Kool-Aid out of a pitcher. It was absolutely insane. Um, juxtapose that with what happened with Bryson. He saw a few ants around his ball and wanted a free drop from behind a root and a tree because the animals were impeding his play. His caddy went along with it as well and said, well, they are burrowing animals. Scott, are you scared of ants? Uh, No. Okay. Answer, answer like one of those things. Like uh, in out in the world, it, it's an ant. It's cool. If there's an ant in your house, yeah, you want to, you know, maybe make sure that there's not an infestation and get rid of it. But if there's an ant on my ball, I'm kind of, kind of like, you know, maybe do a little flicky flick away. And if not, you know, uh, it's not going to really impede the the flight of the ball. So. Now I might start using that term, Scott. Flicky flick. Um, I, I I I like that. I like that, Scott. Flicky flick the the ant away. Do you think Bryson has done extensive testing to see how many yards offline a ball will fly with an ant on it? Do I think he had done it b- prior to the other day when he asked for the free drop? No. Do I think that he has spent uh, nothing? But 24 hours a day since researching that, absolutely I do. So we know that Bryson had a guy spraying his ball with moisture at a bunch of tournaments last year. Um, you know, b- basically a guy to make Bryson's balls wet. And now it wouldn't surprise me if he employed a guy to put various insects on the ball so that he can measure spin rate and uh, exit velocity of it as well as how much it impacts his club head speed. Scott, the, the boy is starting to go completely insane. I, I think maybe he's looking, again, to, to be 
to market himself as a mad scientist even more than he already is. Well, like man, it's one of those things. Like if you're gonna work. if you're gonna do it, just go as far as you can with it. It it seems to me like we haven't had a good villain in golf in a long time. Sergio was a good villain, right? Then we felt bad for him. At times, John Daly has been a good villain. Um, Colin Montgomery has been a good villain. Bryson, I feel, is is that role of, of the good villain. Brooks even mocked him uh, the other day in the third round of the tournament last week at the WGC, and he said, oh, hey, there's a... Uh, there's something on my ball. His caddy came over. He says, oh, don't worry, dude. It's just an ant. You know, and, and kind of yucked it up with mm-hmm. his caddy, which is hilarious. I, I love Brooks out here just trolling people. And if you, look, you want this to, to feel like a major championship, get me Brooks, get me Bryson, get me them in the final group on Sunday and get me some type of rules violation around the 16th hole. Mm-hmm. That would put the PGA Tour on the map and the PGA championship on the map. Uh, You're absolutely right. Brooks, I think has kind of, because he, he doesn't, he doesn't care what anyone thinks. No, I think he's kind of uh, assumed almost a villain like role. Cause you know, the, the media doesn't necessarily love that type of attitude. You know, they, they want someone who's going to be, you know, oh shucks! Like, ah, uh, just just happy to be out here. I love yeah, playing they, golf. They, they love Brant Snedeker. They love Cooch. You know what I mean? They love yep. uh, Charles Howell III. That type of guy. I get it. Exactly. But I'm telling you, the media has definitely warmed to Brooks because in the beginning it was he doesn't want to talk to us. He does things his way. You know, what a jerk. We don't want to speak to him. And now I think they're starting to realize, like, wow, he does things his way. You know, he doesn't want to talk to us, so when he does, it's special. Um, you know, I think Brooks is the ultimate manipulator. I think he truly manipulated the media to do his bidding for him now, and now he's reaping the rewards of it. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. I think that you are your, you are your own brand, essentially, and Brooks has become that guy who just, he doesn't care. And if... Here's the thing. If you're the guy who doesn't care and the the media was like, oh, he doesn't care, he doesn't care, he doesn't care, and you start to, you know, lose popularity or maybe you're, you're you know, a, not ability to play, but maybe you're not, not having the results that you once were, then that's a prompt to change. Brooks has just been himself and it's worked for him. So now he can just keep being himself because that's his brand. Did yeah, you see the, you gotta, the new did you see the new uh the new shirt Nike released? I did the the Brooks truck, the Brinks truck on it for sure. Exactly. I think that's brilliant on a couple different levels. Yeah, uh look, they the problem with those, and the only problem I have with it is the fact that they're almost impossible to get. Oh yeah, totally. That's the only problem. Uh yeah. also on a gear note, on a merchandise note, if you will, an apparel note, the shoes, golf shoes that Nike's dropping for the PGA championship are some of my favorite that they have done so far. They're doing a tie-dyed peace and love San Francisco type vibe on it. And they're doing a, a pair of Jordan five lows, which I already have my alarm set for Saturday at 10 AM for them. Uh, some of them are awful. They have a pair of air maxes in there, like the air max nineties, which look horrible. Um, or the air max three sixes. I think they are one of the two, but, um, 
they've got the you know the the air finale, the broken ankle Rochers in there, which suck. But the Jordans are drop dead gorgeous. And if you're not familiar with Nike shoes, you're not familiar with how they do drops around the major championships. There's always a special theme. And on the bottom of these, in tie dye. Um, and kind of swirly-esque logos reminiscent of San Francisco in the 60s and 70s, the peace and love movement, and the summer of love, there's peace on the bottom of one shoe and love on the bottom of the other, which, you know, in this day and age and and where we are in society nowadays, I think it's a welcome respite. Uh, I fully plan on copying those. Please do not bring your bots to Nike.com at 10 a.m. Yeah, let, let Dan get his shoes. So I want to give a big shout out because Scott, we were we're we're on the brink, and I say we we're on the brink of winning a Corn Ferry Tour event. Uh, our very good buddy Mike Creed, who caddies for Tyson Alexander, finished one stroke out of the lead at the Pinnacle Bank Championship last week at the club at Indian Creek. Finished tied for second, one stroke. Finished ten under par, and uh, Reeves won it there. Seth Reeves won it at eleven under par they were so close i was in contact with him all week long he had the great feeling in the beginning of the week they were in the lead uh after friday's round and we were texting back and forth and talking and uh just a a big shout out to mike creed who's been on the pod everyone knows him comes on you know every now and again to kind of update us on what's going on in the corn ferry tour and uh yeah i mean it looks like his boy tyson is is about ready to break through that's a that's a change your life moment. Even seconds a change your life moment. But you know, let's let's get a win. That's yeah, uh, that's all I have to say. Sure. And you know, obviously, anyone who's who's willing to come here, that they're part of the the leave the pin family. So let's let's get after it. So he's out there. They're riding a wave of momentum, and it's fantastic. Um, Scott, let's move into the PGA. I mean, it's it's on everyone's mind. Everyone wants to see someone hit it straight down the middle at Harding Park there. And we've got a few guys that are, I, I don't want to say clear-cut favorites because in golf, that's BS. Everyone knows that. You know, for, for every Rory McIlroy that you're riding and dying with is a Sean McKeel, right? So there's no clear-cut favorites, but they're guys that have played fantastic coming in. JT last week, okay, wins, breaks out the pink pants, looking like, you know, Poulter back in the open when he finished second to Padraig Harrington. Looking good, feeling good. He wore those at the PGA a while back. Um, I feel like JT is one of those front runners. I know, you know, the listeners know how difficult it is to win two weeks back-to-back, especially a WGC and a PGA. If there's anyone out there that can do it besides Tiger and Brooks, it's definitely JT. He's playing with so much momentum now and so much confidence. And all of his recent finishes, I think, really have propelled him to the point in time where he is now. I mean, uh, a bunch of top 10s, top 5s, had a lead slip away the week before, was pissed, even said it in his press conference. He's like, I was so mad that that lead disappeared and I lost. And an angry, pissed-off, motivated JT is somebody that I'm willing to throw my money on. You know what? It's hard to look at at Justin Thomas and be like, yeah, he's not going to win this week. Um, just like you said, all the results are there. You know, he's, he's a great player. Most of the time he he hits it straight down the middle, um, you know, iron onto the green and then, you know, a putt or two. So that's his game. And he's, he's really good at it. And in all honesty, uh, 
I do think the odds work against him because winning two weeks in a row is tough. Um, but the odds work against a few people here. So who knows? I, I know that a tour pro will never look a win in the eye and say, I wish it wasn't this week. But someone that's won as much as JT, and that's his 13th win on tour. He's one of the youngest to, to get to 13. He's sandwiched right in between Jack and Tiger. Take that into account for a second, Scott. How young he was to 13 wins, and the only people that he sandwiched in between is Jack and Tiger. That's astronomical when you say that, because I think to a lot of people still, people think of JT as, oh, yeah, he wins once or twice. Um, and he's then he, Jordan he, Spieth's friend. He's Jordan Spieth's friend. He hangs out with Ricky. He's a young gun. Eh, when's the last time he won a major? When's the last time he won a big tournament? And for as phenomenal of a player as he is, is for as much star power and as much firepower as he has and the history that he has in the game with his dad being a PGA mm-hmm. professional he's in my opinion he is one of the most overlooked top guys on tour cuz we're always talking about Brooks we're always talking about Bryson we're always talking about Rory and Tiger and Phil and JT I feel like he sits there and he listens and he says well you know what Give me my three wins a year and a major every two years, and I'm going to have a hell of a career when this is all said and done. I think that's maybe the way he wants it. Take a little pressure off of him. Uh, exactly. Let let the limelight be on Rory and Brooks and 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 you know Jordan and Ricky to an extent. You know, let me be the the one who just quietly goes out and gets it done. Here's another factoid that. I feel like the media as well as television should have played up. Scott Bones caddied for him playing in the same group as Phil. Uh, I read that. I guess it was Friday night or maybe it was Thursday night, the the announcement that it was going to happen. And I was just like, that is insane. And I I knew it was going to happen at some point that Bones was going to end up out on the PGA tour not with a regular bag, but as a, you know, someone's backup for a week or two. And the fact that it happened and that player was playing in the same group as Phil is just absolute like poetic justice. Here, Here's the question. Do you think that Bones still got a veto? <sighs> okay. So great. <laughs> good question. Great question. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say JT is, is not as, I don't want to say confident. That's not the word I want to use. But I think generous uh, with the decision-making as Phil would be. And to be fair, Bones was with Phil for 20-plus years. JT knows Bones very well because Phil and him play a ton of practice rounds together. We all know mm-hmm. that. But, no, I think I think it was one of those things where JT was like, hey, man, um, you know, you want to do my bag this week? And Bones was like, well... I'm kind of supposed to do some television here and there, but I'm I'm off this week and and just as long as you don't think this is going to parlay itself into a full-time gig, I'm cool. You know what I mean? It's like um it's like a great rap collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Jay-Z and Kanye doing Watch the Throne together. Well, they're not going to become a rap supergroup and they're not going to become quote-unquote a band. It's just that moment in time. 
you know, enjoy it for what it is. And and I think this was a great moment in time. I mean, like you said, how how much of poetic justice was it that Bones is playing with Phil as JT wins? If I was Bones, I mean, he's got something to hang over Phil's head now for a long, long time. Do you think Phil, even though Bones wasn't his caddy, let Bones veto a shot? I think Phil was probably <laughs> like, hey, hey, man, JT's not letting you veto a shot. That's straight BS. Go tell him he can't hit that one. Or or do you think he maybe was like, hey, Bones, you'd probably veto this one, but oh, well, and then just went after it. <laughs> yeah, that would be phenomenal. You know, if they were both next to each other in a green sign bunker or something, and Phil's looking up and down a shot and, and saying something like that and being like, hey, Bones, probably won't want to pitch out sideways, right? Watch this, jackass. And then he yeah. flops it to within like a foot. <laughs> It's like uh, it's like Shooter McGavin's caddy in at the beginning of that movie where he's like, "Yeah, looks like you need a wedge. <laughs> Give me my five iron." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Phil knows best. Exactly. Um, all right, so look, I, I'm going to go with JT this week as a back to back. It's 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 not going to happen. Um, my second pick though, coming out of nowhere, being the first one to win out of the group of three, if you will, is going to be Colin Morikawa. So. JT and Colin are my two picks this week, Scott. I know, and everybody wow. knows, you're riding and dying with Rory. But who's your other? I'm giving you two. So, so I am riding or dying with Rory. I, I for, uh, before we, I don't think you're coming out of nowhere with Colin Morikawa at all. I, I, I think that that's <laughs> that that's a, a fairly fairly likely scenario that might play out. I mean, um, I am. I am. I don't. I'm so I personally high. don't think so, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm. I'm so high on this kid and and his ability to play. You might as well call me DJ, right? That's how high I am. I just feel like now's the time. He's he's got the win under his bag. He's got two wins. Um, he's playing well, and and why not? You know, a California kid. I know it's it's SoCal and we're playing in NorCal now and it's a completely different world. I mean, it's literally going to be 60 degrees and, and the wind blowing 20 miles an hour out there. It's going to look like an open championship more than anything, but that's who I'm going with. Colin's my pick, JT second. All right. So, I, I, like I said, and like you said, uh, I will take Rory. Um, I said it months ago. I have remained consistent in that. Um Here's and here's my reason behind not just like turning around and being like whatever I want, Brooks. Uh, I I think the odds work against JT winning two weeks in a row. I think the odds work against Brooks Kepka winning three years in a, a row more. So uh, I just that that to me would just be way out there. So I I just don't see that happening. Um, so I I will not be. Be not will not be taking Brooks Kepka as my second choice either, um, and I will, however, um, hold on. Let me let me ask you. A I quick will, question. however, say this: I, I do think that it is the year for someone to win their first, and I think it's the X Man, Xander Shoffley. Another California kid. Mm-hmm. So we're we're going we're going chalk here. We're going chalk, right? California chalk, simple as as that. Um, here here's a question for you: If JT happens to win, right? Which again, you and I both think is is nearly 
impossible. But if he happens to win, does that automatically lock up player of the year for him? JT? JT, correct. Uh, I think pretty much whoever wins this pretty much has to be player of the year unless the rest of the year has been terrible. Since JT's hasn't, I think adding in the only major, I think you pretty much have to give it to him. Well, we st- we still have the major and the U.S. I mean, the Masters and the U.S. Open. Well, are those going to count as part of this year's season? Yeah, because that because they are okay. They are, even though they're outside of you know what would technically be the normal wraparound. You know, things have adjusted, right. and now the wraparound is wrapped okay. even more around. So, uh, so are they just, awarding Player of the Year? before after those are contested um i don't know i who knows dude i have no idea i mean because the 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 only thing the pga tour cares about the fedex cup is going to be you know given away before those right right but i mean ask any player and granted the money is nice but as far as prestige goes any single guy would take the masters or the u.s open over the fedex cup championship oh certainly you know, and honestly, in the long run, winning a Masters in the U.S. Open is probably equal to the same amount of money you would get from the FedEx Cup. Oh, you know, certainly. When it comes to endorsements and stuff like that, and people are going to remember you. No one's, no one, nobody except for geeks like us remember who wins the FedEx Cup. Uh, Brent Snedeker won the FedEx Cup. He he did, but Billy Horschel won it once. I mean, come on, that's yeah, exactly. You know? All right. So enough of the I won't buy into their PGA tour hype. You know what I mean? I'm all about hitting it straight down the middle and nothing less than that, Scott. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I, I'm liking Xander. I feel like, you know, the PGA championships a, a course where if you hit it straight uh, a tournament where if you hit it straight down the middle, you have a pretty good shot. And I feel like that's something he does regularly. I'm very pleased that you and I growing up as municipal golf kids, public golf kids, you know, we've had our major at Bethpage a few times. We've had our PGA there, our U.S. Open. And we go across the country. We go to the opposite side of the world. Opposite side of the country, excuse me. I mean, literally, San Francisco might as well be opposite side of the world. Um, we go to Harding Park. Has never held a major championship, which is kind of crazy considering we had the match play championship there that Rory won. We had a President's Cup there. Um, we had an American Express championship a WGC that that Tiger won. Um, you've got a lot of prestige, a lot a, a, of heritage behind this course. The San Francisco City Championship is probably one of the great city championships in the entire country that's played there. It it blows my mind a bit that Harding Park has never held a major before. Now, granted, it is owned by the tour now. It is a TPC course, so, you know, they've TPC'd it up a little bit. Hmm. But um, the PGA, to me, is always set up the most fair of all the major championships, I believe, right? The Open Championship, there's always a little bit of luck. What side of the drawer you're on, mm-hmm. um, the rub of the green, et cetera, et cetera. The U.S. Open, you know, I, we understand USGA wants to brutalize them. The Masters is fair. However, it does give a big nod to people that have played it five, six, seven, eight times. Yes. Of course, knowledge is enormous. And so the PGA, to me, is the one championship that, and again, not my favorite championship. Okay, I ride and die with the Open Championship all the time because I love 
that luck of the draw type stuff. Um, but to me, it's probably the most fair in its setup. The PGA, I feel, gets it right the majority of the time. And honestly, I, I love the fact that the 20 PGA teaching pros, you know, are still invited and still play. And funny enough, Scott, there is a player from Glenbrook that is going to be in the PGA Championship. He's playing. Because mm-hmm. with with COVID, they've done away with all of the kind of final sectional qualifying and all that stuff and just kind of invited everyone and he made it in. I don't know his name. It's awful research on my part. Um, he literally is now the teaching pro at the course that I used to be a member at. I've seen him on TV. He actually coaches a high school team around here too. Um, I actually contacted someone I know at the course to get his name to see if he could come on the pod, but he was already out in San Francisco and I still don't know his name. Uh, but maybe in the future we have him on. Uh, that it's first of all, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's cool. So last year at Beth Page, the um, one of the the PGA pros was the pro at the course where um, the high school that I work at, where our golf team plays its home matches. Uh, and I, I did reach out to him a couple times, and he kind of gave me the run around a little bit. So you know, he obviously hasn't been on. Um, and I don't know if he's back this year, but if he is, I'm not rooting for him anyway because uh, he gave me the runaround. Yeah, so. you know, there's no there's no need to run around unless you're getting your exercise. Um, P- Padraig Harrington Scott withdrew due to concerns of COVID-19. John Daly withdrew due to health concerns. Um, his health is a concern. Mm-hmm. BJ withdrew due to injury. Uh, that's all I have right now. In Can't terms. get that deer deer antler spray. It's uh, I don't. I it's that it's and Clorox cool. wipes are the hardest things to get right now. Well, yeah, and I have a feeling that it's probably uh, you know it's tough to ship it across the country from Florida where he lives over to San Francisco. Um, here are the alternates that are not in but may get in. Harold Varner the third is in. Uh, he replaced Thomas Peters. Uh, Troy Merritt replaced Padraig and Taylor Gooch, the Gooch man, replaced Francesco Molinari. He's not playing either. Wyndham Clark got in replacing J.B. Holmes, and Brian Stewart replaced Charles Howell the third. So uh, Harold Varner the third not already qualified. Yeah, I mean, some of the names you, you read and you just say, what the hell? You know what I mean? It's just it's just stupid. I mean, I get some of the other, like some of the other names that you just mentioned. Uh, okay. Harold Var- I feel like th- that's a guy who should have been qualified already. But Ru- Russell, look, and, and look at this. Russell Henley had to replace Paul Waring. To Russell get Henley wasn't qualified? As the fourth alternate he got in. It's just, okay. you, you know, I mean, we could go off on a tangent. Some of it's just absolute BS, the way that the rolling system occurs, and you're into certain events but not other events, and it's just, you know. And, and again, it's why, what makes it the hardest, you know, professional sport to make a living at because everyone thinks you get your tour card, you can automatically play every single week. And that could not be furthest from the truth. Yeah, no, you there's, I mean, there's really strict requirements. I, I get, I mean, the majors do have stricter requirements, I guess. So I guess, you know, at some point, somebody like a Harold Varner, the third or Russell Henley, you're going to look at and be like, Oh wow. Like, this is a pretty serious field if they're not getting into it. 
Correct. Without having to get some kind of alternate status. Correct. So. And and the thing that the PGA always suffers from in, in strength of field is the fact that it has those 20 or however many they're letting in this year due to COVID PGA teaching pros. You know, the PGA professionals are what brings down the PGA championship in terms of strength of field. Um, you know, it's it sits low just like the Masters does uh, because of all the old timers in there. But Scott, I want to give you some some uh, insight into Harding Park, maybe some things you didn't know. I did a little research here and there. You know, every once in a while I get a, you know, I get off my horse and 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 do a little bit for the pod. Um, Willie Watson and Sam Whiting did the Harding Park routing, and right across Lake Merced, they did another famous U.S. Open course in San Francisco. I'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you what it was. Was it the Olympic Club? My man, good work. Yep, um, they did the design fee for three hundred bucks on the weekends. Now the uh, not the Olympic Club, excuse me, that's fully private. Um, Harding Park is two hundred. That's the base fee for out of towners. I don't think that that is that bad. Two hundred bucks to play Harding Park on a weekend for out of towners. Obviously, weekdays are cheaper. Twilight as well, which is awesome. I mean, a you know major championship course has twilights. I love that. Uh, and the fact I feel that like that's live, pretty much in line with what it, you would expect for a course of that caliber. For sure, for sure. And and the thing is, too, they do like Beth Page does for New York State residents, for California and for San Francisco City residents. There's a big discount. So it's just, it's just like Torrey Pines in, in San Diego. San Diegans literally pay like $30 to play Torrey Pines. So it's insane, you know? Right. Um, course named after Warren G. Harding. But interesting fact about that. Not only was he an avid golfer, but he died of a heart attack in 1923 while staying in San Francisco. Look at that. Hmm. That's interesting. That I did not know. Yeah. Um, we talked about the San Francisco Munis and, and how the city championship is enormous out there. Uh, the first city championship, and they just call it the city, was played in 1917. They play it there, uh, as well as Lincoln Park, another San Francisco Muni there. And the list of winners of the city championship, Scott, literally reads like a list of who's who on the PGA and LPGA tours. Ken Venturi, Archer, Julie Inkster, uh, Johnny Miller, Tom Watson, Scott McCarron. It's insane. It's literally mm. absolutely insane, the people that have come out of San Francisco, which nowadays you do not think of as a hotbed, right? You think of um, San Diego, you think of Florida, especially in and around Orlando, and you think of places like, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, stuff like that. Right, yeah, and you get those guys who are like, you know, who went to like Oklahoma State who are still living around there. You know, Sure. So yep. that becomes a little bit of a, a golf spot. So, yeah, sure. Exactly. Um, everyone believes that, you know, this was a course that was on par with the Olympic Club for its entire life, and that is also not true. In the 80s, it literally went completely downhill. The city cut its budget. Uh, the course conditions decayed. The price to play per round was through the basement. And uh, in 1998, it was at the lowest point. They used the club as a parking lot for the U.S. Open played at the Olympic Club. Hmm. So literally, that's how little the city of San Francisco thought hmm. of Harding Park. That that's crazy. Like I I understand you got to park people when there's a big event going on, but I mean 
maybe don't ruin your second best golf course for it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, here's a, a very cool fact about the course itself. They have a member out there and his name was Ovid Sailor. They used to call him the institution because he was just a longtime regular, played his entire life there. Over the course of his entire life, Scott, and this is um, this is shown in a concrete bent near the putting green that pays tribute to him, this man eagled every single hole at Harding Park. Uh, that means he got a hole-in-one on every par three. Correct. Impressive. Correct. I mean, and hold out from the fairway on every par four. Yeah, that that's nuts. I mean, that is a life well lived at Harding Park. I mean, that that's that if we talk about like uh, crazy like life goals. Like, I feel like if anyone made that like list of things and like, yeah, I also want to eagle every hole on one golf course. <laughs> um, people just looking at me like. Uh, okay, like you're not gonna make that one, but whatever. Speaking of of every golf course, we got a lot of great feedback. We got a lot of great answers and ideas for our private course that we are constructing in our minds, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would I would like to go back because a listener, Bryce Williams, um, let me know that at no point in time. Did we mention course conditions? And I said, you got to be kidding me. Like, I have to go back and listen to it. And he was right. At no point in time did we talk about what type of course conditions we were going to have. And I guess maybe you and I both thought it was kind of a given, you know, that we're going to have like immaculate course yeah. conditions. But then it got me thinking a little bit. Um, I, you know, go ahead, because I, I might be thinking the same thing you are. Okay. Well, uh, around me and around you in the Northeast, especially in the summer, we get, you know, very hot and humid weather. Um, it gets very muggy, and people in this area can understand that. Uh, and it's a shock here because we don't get that year-round. It's not like Florida or the South where you just kind of get used to it because it's that way, you know, a majority of the time. Here it hits, and it just it literally doesn't leave. At least in the South, um, you know, at night, the humidity cuts a little bit, even early morning. Here it just sticks around nonstop, unless you get a real stiff breeze like the hurricane blew in yesterday. Mm. Um, but I would prefer a course that played firm and fast and also gave us the ability to not have to fly the ball on every single green. That would allow us to hit the ball straight down the middle and then maybe bump and run it up to some of the green complexes. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, so I agree with that. I, I think having the ability to, to have, to have more than one way to get to the green is a, a I think that's something that's a mark of a good course. Um, so I don't just have to fly it there. I can, you know, I, I can hit it low. I can roll it up. I can, you know, do different things to get the ball where it needs to go. Um, Part of me does think like having immaculate conditions should be a given. However, I want to be able to do that in such a way that I'm not destroying the environment. So Mm. there's something to be said for part of the course being immaculate. Like if you hit the ball straight down the middle, you should have an immaculate fairway. You make me work here, buddy. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, but then there's another part of me who's like, you know what though, if you don't, 
you know, maybe the further you get from that point, maybe sometimes the conditions are okay and sometimes they're not. Because again, I don't want to like over like have to overtax the irrigation system. I don't want to, you know, go crazy with pesticides. It's it's a lot of work keeping those golf courses up. So if we can do it with, you know, agronomy and things like that, great. But otherwise, uh, there's something to be said for letting parts of the course, you know, go a little natural to kind of keep things more um, ecologically friendly. Now, I'm 100% in on that. And and I don't need wall-to-wall green like Augusta, okay? Uh, I'm a big fan, fan, excuse me, of just straight line irrigation system down the fairway and then as it gets to the edges it browns out obviously everyone knows i'm a big fan of pinehurst and what they do there and their restoration of two uh, as well as four you know sometimes you hit it well offline and you get lucky you know you're sitting right up in a wiregrass plant you hit it again on the next hole and now you're behind it you hit it again on the other hole and you've got a great lie in in a you know natural hazard and the next hole that you're offline, you don't have a great lie. So I'm, I'm really cool with having there be a little bit of luck involved if you hit it offline. If you hit it straight down the middle, I want it firm, fast. I want it running out. I want you to get 30, 40 yards a roll. You know, I want the middle of the fairways like trampolines. Um, but if you get outside of that, I'm really, really cool with you off the tee looking at your buddy and going, geez, dude, I so hope I get a good lie in there because it could be trouble. Yeah. And and that's what I'm saying. I mean, again, you hit a good shot. You should be rewarded for it. But if you're offline a little bit, you know what? Maybe you're okay. Maybe you're not. Uh, let's see what nature has determined. Now that, on purpose. Yep. Go ahead. Cause that's, you know, that's part of the game. So it is the rub of the green. I mean, everyone has experienced it before. And we're yep. not out playing on the PGA Tour, and, and every lie is not going to be, you know, terrific. Um, but when it should be terrific, it should be. And if it's offline, it can be a crapshoot. I'm fine with that. I will. I will also say this. Um, yeah. If nothing else needs to be immaculate, bunkers need to be immaculate. You know, we're gonna go out. We're gonna get good sand for those. We're gonna make sure they're they're raked and they don't get compacted. Um, you know, no like hornet's nests going in there. Just, mm. uh, again, it, it's a bunker and obviously there's, you know, you should be penalized for hitting it in there, but you shouldn't have no shot at all because the bunker's so poorly kept that you basically just trying to like hack your way out. I'm telling you what, with the hornet's nests, if people don't live in the Northeast, maybe they don't experience it. But every single course that I've played over the last month, it has been so bad that we have picked the balls out of the bunkers and just placed it behind them because you'd, you'd go into anaphylactic shock. You yep. get murdered by the number of hornets that just swarm around. And at one point at Glenbrook, I actually left the ball in the bunker. No way I was going in there at all. I'm not a beat. Yeah, there's no point. It's, it's, you know, it's a golf ball. You're going to play a couple more holes with it anyway. And, Probably have to get rid of it. So, yeah, no no need to get stung to grab a golf ball. All right, two two more things. On purpose, we have not mentioned Tiger Woods up until this point. Let's do just a little bit. 
I think Tiger's biggest enemy this week is going to be the weather. So I'm going to ask you two questions, Scott. The first one is real simple. Is his body going to respond the way he wants it to at a major championship with the highs forecasted to be no more than 65 degrees and windy this week? So what you're asking me is, how's Tiger going to do this week? So no, I have this yet. point. I have, oh, okay, no, I okay. Is his don't body going to hold up? Uh, I find it hard to believe that it will. Okay. Um, he hasn't hasn't been playing competitive golf at all. Um, it's already in a spot where it's not, you know, a hundred percent perfect all the time. And throw out the weather like you just said. Yep. Yeah, that, that's a recipe for problems. The 2019 Masters came and took everybody by surprise, but this, in my opinion. The 2020 PGA Championship at Harding Park. This, in my opinion, is going to be the blueprint moving forward for Tiger Woods. The new blueprint for Tiger is play five to six events a year and the majors. You're mm-hmm. going to see me 10, maybe, maybe if I feel great, 12, 13 times a year, but no more. And he's got no run-up to this. There's no lead-in at all. Um He's coming in, quote-unquote, cold. It's going to be cold. This is going to set the precedent for the next four to five years of Tiger's competitiveness in the four major championships. And and let's be honest, he's getting screwed this year as well with the Open Championship not occurring. The one championship besides Augusta in which he can compete with everyone else. So this is going to be a very trying week. I don't have the answer to this, but I want to get your opinion, Scott. Mm-hmm. Is Tiger going to finish top 20? I'm going to be generous and go top 20. So, uh, like I was about to say, uh, I have a coin here in my hand. Uh, and heads, if it lands on heads, then Tiger will finish in the top 20. And if it lands on tails, he won't. Ready? I'm going to throw it up in the air. Okay. And it came up tails, so I'm going to say no. Okay. Now, Simple if I flip that, that again and, and it comes up heads, I, I might also be right. Because... We don't know. Tiger is, it has become the most mysterious man in golf. He sh- shows up and plays when he feels like it. And sometimes it's electric. And sometimes it's the last round at the Memorial. I've said it all the time. And I'll say it again for the people maybe that are new to listening. The fact that Tiger Woods is like the Brock Lesnar of WWE. He was the champion for a very long time, and you never saw him. People whispered his name. He'd show up to WrestleMania. He'd show up to SummerSlam. Maybe a pay-per-view here or there, and that's it. And then he would retreat and disappear um, to Canada, where he owns a ranch. Tiger does the opposite. He goes down south to his little Orlando abode, and you never hear from him. And like I said, this is going to be... What's that? Uh, Jacksonville. Uh, Tigers in Jupiter. 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 Yeah. 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 How far is Jupiter from Orlando? Like two hours. Really? Yeah. Jupiter's on the coast. Yeah. I guess that makes sense when you have your boat out there. You yeah. don't want to be too inland. All right. Well, um, but that's who he is, right? That's exactly who he is. No more, no less. He's going to show up a few times a year. There's four tournaments that count. Nothing else matters, especially nowadays. Let's be honest. There is not a tournament that matters to this man except for those four. Tomorrow sets the precedent for Tiger Woods. He has an early tee time, which is, I think, fantastic because in the afternoon around 1, 2 o'clock, the wind's really supposed to blow. 
Last thing I want to talk about, Scott, this also, this major championship, I feel, is going to set the precedent on this new era of bomb and gouge approach. Bryson has bought in. Tony Finau has bought in. Other guys, JT, has bought in. The rough has been very spotty, very high. Rory said in a press conference today, he goes, I have gotten some unbelievably awful lies in the rough. And he says, and then I've also gotten some fantastic ones. So if this rough and the way that it's grown and the way that it's cut cuts down on these bombers being at the top of the leaderboard, I think maybe the PGA Tour kind of takes a look at that and says, all right, you know what? We don't want the ball to get out of hand, but we can't dial it back because we're in the pockets, or, or, or sorry, the ball companies are in our pockets, et cetera, et cetera, and so are we. Um, you know what? We're going to put the rough up a little bit on tour, just a little bit here and there, quarter inch a year or so, so the players don't notice, and then we go, we do that moving forward. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. The other thing to keep in mind is under normal major championship conditions, uh, some of that rough would be stepped down or, you know, tamped down by all the people stepping on it. Exactly. So you got to put, you know, put a little premium on hitting it straight down the middle. Well, I think that's a great point. Um, the other The other point to mention and if people don't know about, you know, major championships and how many people they have, there were supposed to be about 40,000 tickets sold every day to Harding Park. Okay, so that's 120,000, probably very close to different people. Let's say at least 100,000 different people from Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. They're going to trample it down before the first round on Wednesday. When you hear, and Tiger has become famous for this, yelling, go hard, go hard, go hard, when a ball's going right or he hooks it left, it's because he wants it past the rough into where the people are. Because the grass is trampled down, he gets a better lie. Now, that's not going to happen anywhere. Putting a premium, Scott, like you said, on hitting the ball straight down the middle. Exactly. All right, so it's very simple, people. We have said that term straight down the middle a ton of times. You need to count them up. You need to DM us. You need to let us know that number. If you are correct, you're going to get a prize from Eagles and Arrows. Now, here is the one caveat. I will say, if we get a ton of people, and let's say 25 of you are all correct, we're going to have to put you into a randomizer. Grant's going to put you to a randomizer, and we'll probably take the top five. Because it's unfair to say we're going to take the first five because you should not be penalized if you don't listen to the pod till midweek or till after the PGA Championship is over. Okay, so yeah. we're going to give you a week. We're going to give you until the 12th of August to get those in. Everyone's names will go into a randomizer. And uh, we go from there, Scott. People are going to win some pretty sick gear. Uh, if it's from Eagles and Arrows, they definitely are. So, yes. And, yeah, I mean, this is this is a fun little, fun little way to be more engaged with uh, what I'm hoping is your favorite podcast. For sure. Uh, so on that note, Scott, hit it straight down the middle and either get busy golfing or get busy dying. Be good. The game of golf is more than a sport. It's a lifestyle. Blue skies, bright sun, the walk, good friends, and the shots that keep you coming back. That is golf. Iconic, vintage, classic. 
Eagles and Arrows didn't create the look, they've only perfected it. Eagles and Arrows provides the classic American golf look with a modern spin. Hats, gloves, club head covers, and my favorite, the vintage American carry bag, are some of the amazing items you can find at eaglesandarrows.com. Follow them on Instagram at eaglesandarrows.co. It's Eagles and Arrows Company, CO, on Instagram. Love golf, live life, Eagles and Arrows. We'll